0: Praise your name. Nothing has the power to save like your name. Your name, it communicates your very essence in this place this morning. We pray that we would sense your virtue by the power and the presence of your very Holy Spirit. Promise to be among us where two or more, and we're certainly more than two this morning, have gathered in your name. God, help us to soak in your very presence. Let us marinate in your love until we become like you, until our lives take on your very flavor. We ask it in the name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Your name, it's amazing. All that we call to ourselves just by the mention of that name, Jesus. Jesus. It was Jesus that told us about this communion uh, that we partake of every week. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And we do. We take communion in remembrance of Christ every week here in this place. But did you know that when Jesus said, do this, he said it during this week. That was when he gave us the very command. Between his triumphal entry with the palms in Jerusalem... That Sunday before till the cross, in between, lies that night that he gathered his disciples to himself in an upper room. And in that moment, he must have astonished them. Because after generations and generations had practiced the Passover, he suddenly redefined and answered many of its mysteries. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, we can't begin to know what this meal means for us now without understanding to some degree what the Passover meant to them then. Jesus uncovered so much that night in the upper room that he was the fulfillment of much of what this meal looked for. and Then he gave it again to us as a meal to practice in his remembrance until he comes again. We still await that coming. Have you heard the news? Some have said this week that the blood moons that we're experiencing are part of that end time prophecy. I don't know. The scripture says that no one knows the time of his coming. But Jesus also said there'd be signs. He said he would not partake of this meal again until he partakes of a, of it with us in heaven. Could it be that those times are coming to focus? If so, we, we want to spend some time this morning talking about the Passover, and Shoshana Weinish is with us this morning. Is that close? Yes uh, <laughs> is is in town with us uh, she 's come as far as from New York. Uh, She's representing the organization Jews for Jesus, but she comes as a fellow believer in Jesus Christ. Jews for Jesus are those who have a Jewish heritage, as I understand, but have made Jesus Christ their Lord and Messiah, uh, as we have. So this morning, I invite her to come and prepare us for communion. She's going to take a little more time than we usually do, and the sermon's already been shortened to make way for this, so don't get nervous, okay? (laughs) Don't get nervous. Just sit back and enjoy it and take it in. What you'll hear in the next 15, 20 minutes or so will be an understanding of the Lord's Supper. I hope you never forget. Let's welcome her as she comes to share with us.
1: Shalom. How many of you know what you just said? It means hello, it means goodbye, and it means peace. And I come to you in the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua Jesus our Messiah as pastor said my husband and I serve with Jews for Jesus in New York City You would probably consider us kind of frontline missionaries. We stand on street corners and in subway holes We are walking billboards. We wear shirts and jackets that say in big bold letters Jews for Jesus Manhattan has more Jewish people than any city in the world outside of Jerusalem and so you can imagine if I walked around here in that t-shirt no big deal, but in New York City and I get some responses. Sometimes they will come and say, you look like an intelligent person, you really believe this? Sometimes they'll say, you're brain dead, you should be ashamed of yourself. But many times they quietly take our literature, stick it in their pocket, They come back, they call us. Our goal is to connect with those people the Holy Spirit is drawing to himself because no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit's already at work. And we want to meet with them one-on-one, open the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, and show them that God laid a map out for them. You can find Jesus without even using the New Testament. You see, they think that's a cursed book. But that's okay. They can read it after they accept Jesus as their Messiah, right? So today we're going to take a broad stroke and we're going to just get an overview of this biblical feast. Now, um, inside of your bulletin today, you have one of these. And just to take care of some housekeeping to save time, I want to invite you to fill out the involvement card You'll have an opportunity to receive my husband's and my newsletter that gives you very specific people to pray for. You'll know what's happening on the streets of New York. We also have an e-blast. If you write your email, first name, last name, that's all you'll get from us. If you don't want mail, just write no mail. We will obey. We will. We need people praying for you. Part of the reason we do this I wanna win your hearts to the cause of interceding for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Apart from Jesus, Jewish people will be separated from God eternally. Some people think God's chosen people means we have a free ticket in, but the scripture says there is no other name under heaven by which man may be saved than that of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus our Messiah, we need you praying. And so if you're getting our, um, our emails, you'll remember, and maybe you'll fall on your knees periodically and beg the Lord of the universe to have mercy on the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So that, we'll take an offering for the ministry of Jews for Jesus later. Whether you're giving or not, please place that filled-out brochure in the offering, and that's enough housekeeping. So let's talk about the Passover. You know, Passover starts tomorrow night at sundown. All Jewish holidays begin at sundown. All Jewish holidays also start with the traditional lighting of the candles. It's the duty and the honor of the woman of the house. We cover our head as a sign of submission to God. And if you've seen Yentl or uh, Fiddler on the Roof, you know that when we light the candles, we do this. And I'll tell you why. You see, my people have a messianic hope. We are waiting for the Messiah. And so when we do this, we're saying, Messiah, you are welcome in this home. Every Jewish woman, Orthodox, very religious, hopes that she, in fact, will be the mother of the Messiah. And this is how the prayer goes: Baruchat <laughs> Eloheinu Melech Asher BeYeshua, Hamashiach Or And the English is, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us by faith in Yeshua the Messiah, the light of the world. Amen. Now, that's not how my people say it because they don't believe in Jesus. They say, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us by his commandments and commands us to kindle these festival lights. But I know and you know that we cannot be saved by behaving, can we? We needed the mercy and the grace of God to enter into this eternal relationship and have forgiveness of sin. Well, you can find the Exodus story in the book of Exodus, chapter 12. My people were slaves under the tyrant hand of Pharaoh. He didn't feed us. He didn't give us enough water, no sunscreen, hot, scorching sun. He beat us if we didn't work fast enough, and we had to make bricks out of straw. And worse than anything, we were not allowed to worship the one true God of Israel. Well, God raised up the deliverer, Moses. He told Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go that they may worship me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, no, his heart was hardened. Nine times Moses continued to go back to Pharaoh and said, the Lord God says to you, let my people go. Every time that Moses went and Pharaoh said, no, a plague came upon the land. Boils, lice, the death of cattle. Darkness, water turned to blood. It was awful. But still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Well, the tenth and final plague was going to come. It was horrible. It was the death of the firstborn of all man and beast in every single home. But God provided a way of escape. He provided redemption. He instructed Moses, tell the Jewish people to find a perfect spotless lamb, no blemish, their best lamb, to slaughter it, to allow its blood to pour out to the threshold of the door of their house, take a leafy branch, dip it into the blood, and apply it to the top lintel and two side posts of the door of the house. That night, when the angel of death came over the land of Egypt, those Jewish homes who had by faith applied the blood to the top and two doorposts of their, of their, doorposts of their homes were spared the results of this 10th plague. That night when the angel death came, wherever it saw the blood, death was forced to pass over those homes. And no harm befell those families. That's where we get the name Passover. In Hebrew, we say Pesach. It's a holiday that commemorates the time when death was forced to pass over those homes in the land of Egypt. Why? Because of the blood, the blood of the Passover lamb. Isn't that a wonderful picture of redemption? And for those of us who sit here today and have accepted Jesus as our Messiah, we know that it's a picture of a future redemption that would take place when Jesus, the perfect once-for-all Passover lamb, would die. And when we apply by faith the blood of Jesus, that Passover lamb, to the doorpost of our hearts, death is forced to pass over us. We enter into this personal relationship with God. We have confidence that our eternity is set. No matter what happens here, we know that neither height nor depth, principalities, powers, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Our hope is in him. Well, back to the Passover story. So, you know, the Red Sea parted. The Jewish people got out. And God told Moses that every year on the 14th of Nisan, according to the Jewish calendar, which is tomorrow at sunset, you will celebrate this feast as a memorial so that your children and your children's children will never forget what the Lord God did for them when he delivered them out of the land of Egypt. Well, the rabbis have created a liturgy that to celebrate this meal, and so what used to take probably at the time of a normal meal now takes about four hours. That's why Pastor said be comfortable, because but I promise to get you out by three o'clock. Right, Pastor? You said three o'clock, not a minute later. Okay. So I'm not going to tell you all the things that we're forced to do every year. And let me tell you, we suffer through Passover every year. All of my family's unsaved. All my husband's family's unsaved. So we sit with them at Passover, and we do literally suffer through this every year. Because they're blind, they don't see the realities that I'm going to show you today. But I want to show you the three essentials that were listed in the book of Exodus that we're supposed to commemorate on Passover, now, we, would, we celebrate this in our living rooms or dining rooms, our extended families. There's kind of a Jewish Thanksgiving, and there's a meal in the very middle of this Seder. Seder is a Hebrew word that means order because this follows an order of service or a liturgy. So this is called a Seder plate. This would be flat on our table, and in each of these compa- compartments, there would be an element of food. But really, there's six compartments because the rabbis have added so much, but we're just going to look at the three li- listed in the Bible, the first item that God told us are the greens. And the rabbis say that the greens represent life. And everyone at the table takes a piece of greens. Today we have parsley, you can use lettuce. But before we eat it, we have to dip it in salt water, which the rabbis say represents tears. And so we do this to say when we were slaves in the land of Egypt, life was immersed in tears, as it certainly was for my people. The next item that's listed is the shank bone of a lamb. You see, originally this holiday was called the celebration of the Passover lamb, and those first lambs that were eaten at Passover were properly sacrificed. But in 70 AD, Titus and his Roman armies destroyed the temple. And from that time until today, we have not been able to offer proper sacrifices. And so we no longer eat lamb at Passover. We have a hope that in the future, God will restore the temple in Jerusalem. And at that time we'll be able to offer proper sacrifice. And then we will be able to eat lamb at Passover. But today we won't. So instead we have the shank bone of a lamb as a memorial. And we are saying to God, we know you said we have to sacrifice a lamb every Passover. But we can't. So we hope that you'll accept this. And the rabbis have promised us that if we will do this along with prayer, repentance, and good deeds, God may forgive us of all our sin and may write our name in the book of life during the fall feast. So this is a hope. Now, you this should raise a question in your mind because with no altar, no sacrifice how do my jewish people have forgiveness for sin they don't the law of moses clearly states i've given it to you on the altar i've given it to you on the altar without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin it's a dilemma for the jewish people and some might say, oh, come on, Shoshana, that was you know, more than 2,000 years ago. This is 2014, we're sophisticated. I mean, we have smartphones, what's all this blood stuff? But the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, he doesn't change. He's never lifted that need for sacrifice. But God did know it would be 2014, and this is what happened. About more than 2,000 years ago, there was a man, a Jewish guy, by the name of Yachanan. You know him as John the Baptist. He was standing at the River Jordan calling Jewish people to repentance when his eyes fell on another Jewish man. It was his cousin, Jesus, Yeshua. And when he saw him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Interesting he wasn't... Recognized as behold the Messiah behold the king of the Jews No Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world This is how you have redemption. This is how my Jewish people have redemption Not by the blood of lambs and goats But by the blood of the once for all perfect sacrifice Jesus our Messiah Isn't that awesome? The third element that we're told we have to have a Passover is the unleavened bread. Now, the rabbis say that in our haste to leave Israel, and that night long ago, before we left Egypt, we did not have time for the bread to rise. Thus, matzah. Matzah is made without leaven. The Bible tells us that leaven represents sin. So this portrays a sinless nature. It's very interesting the way that the matzah is made. It is striped and pierced the book of isaiah the prophet wrote and by his stripes we are healed and in the book of zechariah this prophet wrote we will look upon him whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only son the rabbis tell us that the matzah at passover portrays that first passover lamb At this point in the ceremony, the father of the house would lift this item called the matzah tash. Tash just means pocket. It's a Hebrew word. There's three sections in here divided by cloth and three pieces of matzah. At this time, the father would remove the middle piece of matzah from the pocket. He puts the other two back, and we never touch them or address them again. He lifts it up, breaks it in half, and offers a prayer. And the prayer goes like this. He breaks it in half, one piece is set aside, the other piece is given the name Afi Kalman. The father, acting as a king and priest of his house, wraps it in a white cloth and hides it or buries it. During the meal, the children will have full run of the house, and they have to find this. Whoever finds it returns it to the father, receives a reward. If it's not found, until it's found, the Seder cannot continue. So it's very important. Afikomen is a Greek word which means desserts, or that which is to come. So at this point, this would be hidden. The children are all instructed to close their eyes, and it's hidden. So remember the afikomen. the rabbis say, represents the body of that first Passover lamb. During the Passover Seder, we drink four cups of the fruit of the vine that are refilled four times. The first cup is the cup of sanctification. The second cup is the cup of plagues. And every person drinks. And with the cup of plagues, we actually recite the ten plagues together before we drink it. And that's how we remember that God delivered us through these plagues, the tenth plague being... Death of the firstborn And then after the second cup we eat But now if you were in my home We're about two and a half hours into this The kids are starving We had to wait until the sun goes down to start The the Passover every Jewish Holiday starts at sundown So you know tonight it's going to set like What 738 o'clock so Imagine it's 10 o'clock they've eaten nothing The kids are cranky and they just Want to eat so here comes The food and we eat during the meal, a fortunate child found the Afikoman, returned it to the father, and received a reward. We used to get silver dollars in Hershey bars. Today they want, you know, iPhone, Starbucks card. You know, it we are postmodern, right? Okay, this is really interesting what happens now. So this has been returned to the father. We've eaten the meal. Our bellies are full. It's late. We really just want to go home. But this is the highlight of the Seder. The father would break off an olive-sized piece for each person at the table and distribute it of the afikomen. The Greek means desserts or that which is to come. Then he lifts the third cup, which is called the cup of redemption. And together, our family takes the afikomen representing the body of that first Passover lamb with the third cup, the cup of redemption. Look familiar? It should. This is the origin of your Passover. The scripture says that when Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples, he lifted the cup after the meal, and he lifted the afikomen. He broke it, to his, giving it to his disciples, and he said, This is my body given for you and you and you. And then he lifted the cup and he said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. I believe the new covenant that Jesus was referring to were those words written by the prophet Jeremiah when he said, Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their forefathers when they were slaves in the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was faithful to them. I delivered them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, but this law I will write it in their hearts. The Holy Spirit deposited in you. You have the law of God written in your hearts. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. The third cup of redemption and the afikomen are taken together in remembrance of the precious blood of that first Passover lamb and that first sacrifice Passover lamb that were taken that night in the land of Egypt before the Red Sea parted for us. This is what happens in our home at Passover. We're not taking communion We missed it. It's very sad. The fourth cup is the cup of Hallel. And this cup is the cup pastor was referring to when he said, Jesus said, I will not drink of this cup with you again. Until that day, I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. When Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples, he did not take the fourth and final cup. At our Passover table, we sing Psalms 113 to 15. They're called the Psalms of Ascent, and we drink. One of the scriptures in those psalms is, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And if you look at the scripture in the book of Mark, chapter 14, verse 26, it says, after singing a hymn, Jesus and the disciples left to go to the Mount of Olives. I could just imagine being in the upper room with Jesus. He's singing the songs of Asset, and he's saying, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And yet he knew he was about to be, he had been betrayed. He was about to be arrested. He knew he was giving up his life. No one took his life, you know. The Romans didn't kill him, and the Jews didn't kill him. Jesus said, no man takes my life. I give it freely. Jesus came with a life mission to die. God put on flesh, stepped into human history, and came as the Passover lamb of God that you and I might experience a once-for-all Passover and escape death. Isn't that great news? But in my family, we do take that fourth cup. The last cup on the table is the cup of Elijah. You see, my people do have a messianic hope. We're we're believing that one day Messiah will come. But you see, the scriptures in the book of Malachi say that before Messiah comes, God will send a prophet, the prophet Elijah, who will herald him in, pronouncing and proclaiming that Messiah is near. So at this point, the youngest child present goes and opens the door to our apartment, and all the children gather because we have filled this cup for Elijah, and the children look and we wait to see if the spirit of Elijah will come into the room and sip the fruit of the vine. But we're disappointed every year. It's always full. So we all say together, maybe next year, next year in Jerusalem. We shut the door and our Passover's over. If you've ever been to an authentic Jewish Passover, it ends very sadly. We sing a a song called Eliyahu Hanavi. It goes, Eliyahu Hanavi. And it's saying, where are you, Lord? When will Eliyahu come and deliver us? When will Messiah come? And Passover's over. But Jesus said of John, if you care to accept it, He, speaking of John, has come in the spirit and the power of Elijah, proclaiming and heralding in the Messiah. Not only do I believe that Elijah has come, but I believe Jesus, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, has come. For when John said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he was acting in a prophetic way, proclaiming and heralding and ushering in Jesus The Messiah. Now you might say this is all so clear. Why don't Jewish people get it? Well, the book of Romans tells us that a partial veil has covered the eyes of the Jewish people until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Will you pray for the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Will you pray that God will open the eyes of the faithful remnant while they still have breath? For if they perish in this life, They will spend eternity separated from God. Romans 11.25 says, For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. When God removes this veil of blindness, the faithful remnant will be saved. As believers in Jesus, we have a debt of gratitude to pay Israel. The book of Genesis says, I will bless those who bless Israel. I will curse those who curse Israel. You can bless Israel. No better way than praying. Please, I'm begging you, will you pray for my husband and I that we would not become discouraged, that we will be alert and wise to the schemes of the devil who wants us to stop this work? Will you pray for the salvation of the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Jews for Jesus exists to make the Messiahship of Jesus an unavoidable issue to our Jewish people. Worldwide, My husband, Stuart, and I have a sense of urgency for the salvation of our Jewish brethren according to the flesh. My heart's desire and prayer to God is that my Jewish people will be saved. And they can call me brain dead. They can spit on me, curse me out, which they do regularly, but I don't care. Because I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of salvation for all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the nations. Thank you.
0: Would you join me by faith right now, those close enough to Shoshana, would you mind if we just laid our hands on your shoulders as we pray? I'll come up there. Let's pray right now. <laughs> yes. Lord, Lord God, we thank you for our sister. Uh, we and she share an eternal destiny, and we thank you for it. We're not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first, but also for the Gentile for all of us. And Lord God, we thank you that when you went to that cross, you went for all humanity. And we pray, Lord, that the worthiness of your sacrifice, our world will someday fully respond to, that you will be given what's due you. Our full devotion, our whole hearts. You gave your very best, and you gave your all for us. Help us, Lord God. This Passover, with this meal that we partake of today, to love you with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, all of our strength, as you taught us, as you teach our Jewish brothers. God, help us to hear your voice, and we pray that your spirit would be sent out to intervene for especially our Jewish uh, fellows and uh, brothers and sisters, God, that you will draw in. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be released this Passover. Mm. That as they look into that final cup, that they'll look through it to you. Mm. That their hearts would not be disappointed, but they'd know the eternal satisfaction that the Lamb has come has. And for us all, this name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice. He was striped and pierced for us. He was wrapped in linen and hidden in a tomb. But the story doesn't stop there. Not that Passover. His children came and found him. Risen. <laughs> the cup was empty, and Jesus, that Jesus, longs to live in the hearts of all those he loves. You are one of those. On the night that he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread, and gave thanks to the Father, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, said, "Take and eat." Remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks to you, our Father, and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, Take, drink from this, all of you. For this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you, poured out for many, poured out for many who have yet to drink it with the knowledge that you have, that you are feasting on the very presence and power of your Messiah of god's lamb slain for us all so god we pray that you pour out your holy spirit not just on these gifts of juice and bread god this morning may it transcend any kind of ritual and become a heart-to-heart experience for us as you pour out your holy spirit upon us your people God, it's overwhelming that the sacrifice that you made, the best that you had to give, was given for us. That that same heart longs to live in our hearts this day. Forgive us of our sins as we come confessing to you. And as we partake of this juice and of this bread, God, make this a very point of contact for your Holy Spirit to reclaim us as we reclaim you. the power and in the name of the one who taught us to pray we pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We'll have three stations this morning as you come. We'd invite you to come as you exit your section to the right and come forward and partake of the station in front of your section and then return by what is your left as you sit right now, but it'll still be on your right as you return. Just continue. Make a loop and come right back to your seat in an attitude of prayer. God bless you as you come to partake.